Hey, workshop family, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. It's May 5th, 2022. It's Alice and Charlotte's birthday, so happy birthday to my wonderful 12-year-old twins. And this is episode 107 of the workshop podcast. And I am live in living color back in Alberta. So after all of our worldwide travels and incredible time spent down in Tennessee and, of course, on the beach, which I'll stop talking about now. I'm back to regular scheduled programming, so you will see me Thursday. Set announcements. Nothing too serious this week, but first things first, like I said, we are now back to regular scheduled programming, which I'm rather excited about. Much as I loved running around and doing all the crazy stuff, it's great to be back here on a regular schedule with you guys. Number two. I, yes, John Palmer says, happy birthday, Allison Charlotte. I imagine Charlie will be in here in a little while. Uh, number two, I am looking for recommendations of podcasts that you think I'd be a good fit on. Looking to reach out again. I uh, had a goal for this year to, to get out and communicate with some different communities, you know, like-minded individuals, but I'd love to get on and share the brand of repairedness and the workshop and hey and guys i also have nathan howard i need to sh shout out to him that is my little nephew he's not so little anymore from nova scotia nice to have you buddy oh this is our family affair tonight nice to have everybody else who else do we have we got brian from the lots project we have john palmer great to see him martinson family i hope i didn't miss anybody else yet nate will be in here he says he just has to toss his kids upside a wall i mean toss them into bed before he comes over so we got a, a great <laughs> Martinson family says happy got born on day. So yeah, if you guys get any recommendations for podcasts uh, that I could reach out to, send them my way. I would appreciate it. And I am going to beat this dead horse because I just love it. We had an incredible conversation on Telegram this afternoon. Just, you know, Telegram is great because you can jump in and out of the conversation as you need it. But uh, one of our community members is looking at starting a side hustle who'd love to turn into a full-time gig. And we just had a great brainstorming session all around. So if you, yes, the micro, yes, that is a great one, Brian. Still working on it. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you have not checked out the Telegram group, please do. I would absolutely appreciate that. And uh, yeah. I will make sure, well, anyway, if you look in the description below, wherever you're watching this, you'll find the link to the Telegram group. So thanks, guys. Now, today's tool. I got a Telegram message from Conrad. He is a fellow workshop community member and asked me how my 3M Bluetooth headset, hearing protection, whatever you want to call it, has been holding up two years on. And I realized I haven't done an update video on that yet. So I will. But short story is, Two years on, they work just as well as the day I bought them. So if you haven't seen those, they're just standard ear protection earmuffs that have Bluetooth built in, noise canceling, and they're friggin' awesome. I think they're 50 bucks American, so they're, they're fairly cheap too. I forgot to, let's see if I can throw this into the chat for you guys. I'll throw that up there because I totally forgot to pin the comment like I normally do. But that is the one. I love them. They've worked great. I've used them through... I leave them in my truck overnight in minus 40, come out, and they start up for me the next morning. So they're great. I haven't noticed, hey, Lady Lou, nice to see you. I haven't noticed any depreciation in battery life, any of that, and they're awesome. So that is my tool for the day, and I'll give you a twofer because there's also my bald head. Uh, hard to see the shine there. 
but the band that goes across it can be a little bit uh, chafy for uh, us bald fellers. So I included, uh, I have a link for a band cover as well. And those are, that just helps everything be a little more comfortable up there. Howdy, Nate. Good to see you. Haven't seen you since uh, Tennessee. Miss everybody already. We've got 10 people in here already, guys. We're having a good night. So we had recently an episode on storage and organization tips. And, you know, I love to geek out on storage and organization. I got a really awesome email. Hey, Ted McDonald from Florida. Good man. Love to see you here. I got a, an awesome email just before I went on vacation uh, from Martin Clark, another workshop member, a great guy. And I sent him a quick email and, uh, oh, uh, and I-Z-I-Z-I-Z-D. Yeah, you guys wonder what Z is. That's a Canadian uh, Canadian term for it. I'm holding a pair of pelters right now. wonder if that's supposed to be blue. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, he sent me an email and I said, hey, as soon as I get back, I will follow up. I didn't plan on turning it into a Thursday night episode, but there was so much good content in his questions. I said, hey, why the hell not? Let's check it out. So here we are. Uh, so let's, uh, I'll read you the email right quick and uh, we'll get to it. Said, uh, <laughs> still loving the podcast, struggling to keep up with the volume of content you managed to churn or managed to churn out. And it's on the strength of your recommendations that I'm now a DeWalt man. Well, all I can say is thank you very much. How could you be anything other than a black and yellow man? But anyway, I've listened. He said, I listened to episode 83 again. 30 tips for storage and organization, and there's some real nuggets in there. He said a couple of things I'd really appreciate some thoughts on. So we're going to work our way through. I got a bunch of tips at the end. If I have time, I'll bust through those as well. But I'm going to answer the different parts of his question. And if you guys have questions while we go along, throw them up there. Uh, the chat doesn't seem too busy yet, but feel free to put them in all caps if you want. I will do my best to answer. And that goes for everyone over on PBN, the Prepper Broadcast Network. We're live on Spreaker, and they can chat with me through the Element uh, chat portal. So it's great to have everybody. I don't have a clue how many people we'll have on here tonight, but I think we're going to break a record. So first thing, says uh, grouping, organizing, and storing. Uh, so we've done the, he says JS, that's the Jack Spierko. Uh, if there's one person in here who doesn't know who he is, uh, you should. And you should follow and listen to his podcast, the Survival Podcast. <laughs> says he, he does the uh, Jack Spierko fuel storage six 20 liter jerry cans rather than the 12 that he recommends but i'm always struggling to find the fuel filler funnel etc every time it comes to cycling the cans and i've got two of each well i gotta say the first thing you're doing right is having uh two of each you guys know i love to say two is one one is none and three is a guarantee so i'm not saying you got to buy three funnels but first off redundancy was great you did you did awesome on that so <laughs> um couple things. I, as soon as you told me that, I'll tell you a little story. Years ago, back when uh, we, our kids were quite little, our older kids used to take the nail clippers. <laughs> Ted McDonald says, Milwaukee pack out drawers. Absolutely, my friend. Yes, I like that. Or I got to switch over to the pack out. But anyway, so years ago, the kids kept running off with our nail clippers. The teenagers, or well, they were almost teens at the time, they would take them, run upstairs and forget about them. We'd ask them, where'd they go? Where'd they go? Oh, I don't know. They were in Liv's room or Mac's room or Grace's room, and nobody would ever claim that they took them. So if you've ever looked on the bottom of a set of nail clippers, they usually have a ring in there or a hole to put a key ring on. So what did I do? Smart ass me. I took them and I tethered them to a long piece of like bathroom chain, you know, that beaded chain that you'd have in the 
uh, like a, a sink or a plug or whatever. So I put it on like a three foot tether. And so they always, if they wanted to trim their nails, <laughs> they had to go to, I think I had it in the pantry at the time, which probably wasn't the best place. So anyway, long story short, I tethered the damn nail clippers. Guess what? They never disappeared again. So most funnels have a, a little loop on the top there, you know, a little ring or whatever. So I was thinking to put a key ring or a uh, some kind of clipper, like a carabiner, anything like that, something small, and then put it on, put a little chain to it or a little, little kind of, uh, you could use aircraft cable, some rope, whatever. And then, because this, if you guys don't know how the fuel system works, uh, oh yeah, you can, uh, you've got, well, in some cases, 12 jerry cans, some cases, six jerry cans. So what I would do is if you know the next one that you're going to have to empty, I would take the funnel and I would take a carabiner with, through that hole and I would clip it right to the next jerry can. So as soon as you've emptied the first one, you've got the next one there and always leave that one. What, what I try to do to stay organized with my tools when I have two of something is I leave one in the same damn place all the time. So one funnel would stay right there so it never disappears. And then I would use the other one because what happens is people try to borrow things. But have you ever noticed that people are less likely to borrow something if it's tied down or tethered to something? So, <laughs> um, oh, Ted says he just bought the best damn nail clippers of his life in the first 50 years or 50 years of his life. So Ted, if you've got a link to that, share that and I will share that along. It's great. And Brian says we used that used to use that same trick for lighters in our college dorm room. That's a great idea. Yeah, put some tape around or whatever. But yeah, so if you can tether something down, then you're way less likely. It gives you kind of that mental break that says, okay, I can't take this one because I got to leave it there. So figure it out from there. Uh, and to me that, yeah, absolutely would be the best bet. And if you don't have room to tether them to one of your jerry cans, what I would do is have a set spot right next to your jerry cans and tether it there. So at least, you know, it's always got to go back in that spot and you're only using that one. And Ted says he still does that with his uh, pencils and lighters. Yeah, uh, we do that with candle lighters in the house as well. Although the one I got Becky, the heavy duty metal one works great as long as I remember to refill it and it hasn't walked off yet. So I've been pretty happy with that. Now, the other thing with funnels and that kind of thing is now, if you don't have a place to hang it or you're worried about dripping or something, create yourself, always look for a little storage space, create yourself a little cubby hole where you can put that stuff so that it's always the place you put it. That's the first place. So I, I'm picturing like a small little wooden crate, maybe with some absorbent cloth in it or something so that you can throw your funnel and what else was he like? Funnel, fuel filter, all of that stuff. So I have a combined milk crate that I keep almost all of my miscellaneous jerry can parts in. So always have a design space. So, you know, look at where your jerry cans are and then just put, <laughs> just put, uh, I don't know, uh, hang it under the shelf, over the shelf, whatever it is, and find a spot to put everything so that you know where it's going to be. Because this old man, you know, the sometimers kicks in and I totally forget where I put things. And Ted says those nail clippers were also the most expensive nail clippers I ever bought in my life. That don't bother me a bit. I'm a big proponent of buying something for life. And dad always said, buy once, cry once. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So also wants to know about um, organizing jump leads. So I believe he's in Britain. So jump leads, jumper cables for vehicles, booster packs, that kind of stuff. So the first thing I got to say about anything cord related, that's rope, extension cords, booster cables, don't try to fight them. I bought a toe strap earlier this year. Love the damn thing. 
but I don't know how they managed to get it packed in the reusable container that they sent me because the first time I took it out, it was never going back in that zip up clear pouch. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And then my um, booster cables, I had a beautiful spot down in my floor. It's got one of those like uh, cubby holes. Hey, yeah, we got James on here. Thank you, sir. Nice to see you as well. Uh, so I had booster cables and they fit just perfectly. If I twisted them all the right way, held my tongue the right way. And you know what happened? I got pissed off and I stopped putting them in there because it took me too damn long to put them away. So the first thing I'm going to say is don't try to fight with them. Work with them. Make sure wherever you're going to hang it, that it is in a spot that's accessible, that you don't need to cram into too big of a spot. And then over time, this is the other thing. When you buy things brand new, they always have kind of that, um, I don't know, they have a memory from being in the package, right? So one thing you can do is take them out, stretch them out in your garage, leave them on the floor for a few days, especially in warm weather, and then wrap them and then leave them that way for a while. And that'll help give it some memory. So then the next thing is finding a spot for it. So with the booster cables and the boost packs, again, like I said, don't fight against the rope, don't fight against the booster cables, but run them in a big loop. Like I've got a, um, at a 12 unit I look after, I've got a central vac unit and it's a big loop and it hangs way down. And you know, you wanna make the best use of your space, but when you loop it like that, you've got a big circle of plain wall in the middle. So what I'm getting ready to do is build a little container, not container, like a, a racking system where I can put some of the extra accessories in that middle space. So what I'm picturing with these uh, booster cables for you is make a big loop and then use that wasted space in there. Either put a shelf or a bracket or, you know what I love? That damn uh, double-sided Velcro 3M strips. Stick them to the wall so you can take that booster pack and stick it there as well. That's kind of what I'm you know, what I'm looking at. Now, there's a few videos out there for organizing. And like, if you look at roadies that work with bands and that sort of thing, they're absolute masters at being able to twist and twirl and store electrical cables. So for me, anytime I want to get better at doing this kind of thing, like storing or twisting or just knowing where to put it, I go and I watch those videos and then I just practice until I'm good at it. But like I said, the biggest thing for me with organizing cables is not to fight against them. Give yourself as much space as you possibly can, you know, twist them down, kind of get them, try to get those kinks out of them that come, you know, in a package, right? Because that's, that's what happens. They have them stupid bends in them from how they're folded and shipped out to you. So once you can get those out and then twist them and then just leave them there for a while, let them hang and they'll start developing their own, I don't know, muscle memory, I guess we call it, just makes it easier. Um, yeah. So like I said, find a spot that's up out of the way, put smaller items on the inside. So you're not wasting any space. But the big thing is, um, like also a lot of times in garages, if it's uninsulated, you get all that space between your studs. So that's a perfect spot for extension cords, for, um, booster cables and a couple other things that I found. And I've, you can go and get ladder hooks. If you guys have seen them, they're like a big L shape or a J shape. They're dirt cheap. I end up saving some of them when I tear them out of people's houses and things like that. But those are great for hanging a whole bunch of extension cords. I've got one on the other side of my garage where I keep my um, natural gas cable, my splitter cable, about three different wires that I use for my generator. I have them all organized right above the generator. So look for those hooks, those kind of L things, that kind of stuff. Now, as far as storing them. Now that's storing that kind of stuff in the garage. 
if you're talking about storing booster cables, booster packs, all of those kind of things in your vehicle, this is where it can get tricky. Like I said, the first thing I ran into was they, I, I, I recommend like a 25 foot to 30 foot booster cable. So they're big and, you know, go with a one odd or, or an odd gauge cable because you don't want to burn them up. The downside to that, of course, is it takes a whole lot of room to store. So you got to get creative and find places to store it. Now, a few places I found in vehicles that people don't always think of, uh, you know, everybody thinks under the back seat in the truck, but not a lot of people think under the front seat because you can't really access it from the front. But if you get down and you're cleaning and you ever find that spot where the kids throw all their garbage and everything in there, from the back, there's usually quite a big cavity underneath of both the front passenger and driver seats. A great place to put booster cables and all kinds of stuff. Uh, another spot in my truck on the right hand side, the passenger side, underneath there's a, a, um, a little panel I take off and in there is where my spare tire tools and stuff go. But there's a lot of wasted space. So you got a lot of things you could put in there. Roll of toilet paper, <laughs> a booster pack, gloves, um, maybe a tiny blanket, whole bunch of room there. And then before I decided to go with that old junky cooler, I don't know if I've showed you guys pictures of that, but I got an old uh, latch down Coleman cooler that I'm keeping all my tools in because I ran out of space in my truck. I had looked. Now, the back seat in my bench in my truck doesn't fold down, but there's enough room that you could slide your toe straps, ratchet straps, that kind of stuff behind there. So just take a minute, walk out to your vehicle and look at it with eyes that you've never, you know, Tell yourself, okay, I'm going to look and I'm going to find myself three or four spots that I've never thought of before. And then look for them and then try to find that kind of stuff. And like I said, for vehicle storage, what I've come up with right now is that old cooler has become a godsend to us. Because before what was happening was I would work with ratchet straps and then they'd go in the back seat of the truck and then they'd get tangled up. So now I roll them up, throw them back in there and they're all set. If we have to drive with a bunch of us in the vehicle, I throw it in the... Uh, in the back of the truck. If we're going somewhere where it's busy, I either put the tonneau cover down or throw it in the back seat of the truck. So a way to extend the storage space in your vehicle for sure. Uh, Nate says, firm believer of buy once, cry once. It hurts, but only once. Amen to that, brother. And uh, Cabot Porter says, make it easy to stay organized. To me, that is probably the number one, the number one prepper organizational tip. If you, uh, Paul Harrell, I talk about him all the time. He's a, a gun guy on YouTube. He talks about, is it system compliance? Uh, basically, the idea is that you need to make things so easy that you're going to do it. Uh, thanks, Brian. Have a good night, bud. Uh, yeah, so you want to you wanna set everything up to the point where it's so it's easier to put it away than it is to throw it on the floor. That's the idea. So program compliance, that's the term I'm looking for. So yeah, whatever you do, the things you use the most make it as simple as you possibly can to put them away and find a spot for them. Uh, Ted says he doesn't use jumper cables anymore. I bought one of those battery packs and will never go back. Yes. So, confession time. I own one, but it doesn't work. I bought one from Costco about two years ago. Had it for a year before I tested it. Good prepper here. And it didn't work. So, I wasn't going to be that guy that took something back a year out of stock from Costco. So, now I'm looking for a new one. So, if you guys can recommend one. But the biggest problem I have is I live in Canada and 90% of the beautiful battery packs that most people recommend to me on Amazon don't ship to Canada because batteries, simple as that, I guess. So 
Uh, yeah, and John Palmer says he has a booster uh, pack as well. Redundancy, always a good thing. Hey, we got Zachariah Ring in the house. Evening, sir. And Nate says 50 caliber ammo can is our ratchet strap box and doubles as the wife's step stool all oh, to get in to get in the bed of the one the F-150. Hey, two is one, one is none. So what I like about that as well is you've got something that's both a storage container and a step stool. So that's great. Nothing wrong with that. And I hope we're not making jokes about Aaron's height there, Nate, because that's not fair. And uh, yeah, Rachel Brown says Harbor Freight. Yes. Have you guys seen my latest video? This was this crazy cannot going to Harbor Freight for the first time. And I had a lot of fun there. Next part of his question, he says, again, we don't have a lot of space in the garage uh, is 17 by nine is both a workshop and storage, just like my garage. We do have two eight by 10 sheds around the garden for lawnmowers, garden tools. I do as well. I also have a, one storage container, but I need help to become more ninja with my organization. And I, I love that term. That's great says, I've somewhat standardized with the Rigid Pro toolboxes and crates for tools, loose item storage, but they do take up a lot of space with small items going in the Stanley Fat Max organizers. So I love those organizers. I have <laughs> uh, 1ZD says, yes, Canada. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I love those flat packs. I have the DeWalt, which are identical to the Stanley, and they have the Quick Lock uh, kind of way about them so they all latch in together they're not as good as the milwaukee i won't lie about that they absolutely aren't as good as the milwaukee so that's okay though um they still work now the biggest thing that i find is to make sure you put the one that you're going to use the most on the top <laughs> this is so simple but i have like five or six of them all stacked together and the one i use the most is my nuts and bolts bin so that goes on the top took me way too damn long to think of something that simple <laughs> because what would happen is I'd always be putting them back together, having to unlatch two or three. But if you leave the top one there, all you have to do is open up the lid. I know, dead simple, right? But it absolutely works. Something else I found is those flat packs, they're great, but they're kind of bulky, right? So I found, try to find a corner area to put them in because it's square. So you're using the most perfect space as you can. So basically where a shelf ends against a wall is a really good idea. Uh, now, another thing is they're super, super thin. Now, you said that yours is both a workshop and a garage, same as mine. And in doing this, I came up with a new idea that I'm going to try. My workshop bench is there's lots of empty space under there, and I try to store Rubbermaids and stuff, but I'm going to build a shelf right below it, just, you know, maybe six inches down, just big enough for all those flat packs to go in there. So I think that would be a great idea. Always looking for just Walk around your garage. I talked about this in the last episode. And just look for open air. And then let your brain go and say, hmm, what can I use it for? But yeah, the underside of your workbench is great. Corners is great. I have a couple of shelf units that are six inches up off the ground. Again, slide things under there. Especially items that you're just not using on a regular basis. Uh, John said he sent the, bo the booster link on Telegram. Thank you, sir. And Ted says, pack out drawers are the best thing Milwaukee makes. My local home hardware, it's just a local hardware store here, has a beautiful set of Milwaukee packouts in the front window. And every time I walk by, drive by, I kind of drool a little bit because you guys know I'm a DeWalt guy, but there really is no way to beat the Milwaukee packouts. Every professional talks about them. The guys in my handyman uh, journey Facebook page that I'm on quite a bit, they rave about them. There's just, there doesn't seem to be anything better. Plus they have uh, like a metric shit ton of options in it. So that's also great. 
um, says, how would you suggest someone short on space uh, groups and stores essential items, jumps, leads, funnels, boats, etc." So first off, <laughs> Ted McDonald says, don't forget to look up. Yes. So you guys should see the up space in my garage. I've got their, they're just stick frame rafters up there, but I'm going to frame in maybe half that area. So I'm going to make a platform so that it's easier to slide things up into. But yeah, that is a great way to do it, Ted. I love it. And I'm going to insulate up there. So then I don't have to frig with it too much. It'll hold the heat in. And then I'm going to, like I said, shelf it over, but always, yes. Uh, Nate says, I went looking at the pack out setup to build a ham radio go box. That would be cool. I'd love to see that. That would make a good video too, Nate, if you ever decide, but uh, you have to let me know which way you went with it. So uh, when he's talking about where to store different things, the biggest thing I found, and this probably goes, you know, without saying it's pretty simple, but store like items together. So underneath my workbench, at one time I had about six different Rubbermaids and each one of them had a label on the front and one was camping, one was uh, chain pieces, one was, um, you know, tow things, all of that. So it was all in there and I basically had it set up so that, you know, it was a catch-all. So anything that didn't have a specific place in my garage, if it was camping, it went in that Rubbermaid. If it was electrical, it went in here. Hey, HOSG at Hosges. I can never remember how to pronounce it, but good to have you. There, we'll bring you up so we can shout you out. <laughs> We're going to call you hogs, but I'm sure I'm wrong. So yeah, so have a bunch of catch-all bins that are labeled, uh, kind of general. So like I got one for hardware now. Now I got one for big metal things. And in there are salvaged hinges, salvaged L-brackets, gate latches, all of that stuff. So it all goes in there. And that's just a great way to have another catch-all instead of because what used to happen with that shit is it would go over on my shelf or on my workbench and it would just sit there and it would collect so now i've just got these bins to throw them in works really good and then i even have a bucket that i put random tools in that i don't need or i'm not using at that moment so just have a place to put it um now uh funnels uh what do we got we got funnels spouts anything that's long and open you can use things like pegboard pegs long hooks or my favorite is like a repurposed uh, drying rack something you would put on your counter with those big wood pegs you can set it this way uh, up and down <laughs> sorry for everybody who's on audio <laughs> up and down or nail it to the wall slide things on and they hang there really well just another simple easy way to organize that all right so the last portion of his question deals with <laughs> Rachel Brown says still borrowing Becky's label maker maybe so if you guys seen I didn't I don't have a picture with me tonight but I posted on social yesterday my master key ring for the 12 unit and all the different rentals I use and I color coded all of the keys so that I knew like basically where they were but the other thing I did was instead of having pencil on them to label them I used Becky's label maker and I labeled each one of them with the address so that makes it way, way easier. So now this part of his question uh, wants to know about storage of dry goods, rice, pasta, lentils, that sort of thing. So he said, again, he said, Jack Spirico mentioned lidded plastic containers once upon a time, but interested in your thoughts is I've got a fair amount that needs repackaging and putting away. So first off, five gallon pails, as we call them in Alberta, or the five gallon bucket pretty much everywhere else, they're absolutely absolutely your friends for long-term storage. They're great. They're rodent proof. They are 
fairly moisture proof. You know, if you knock them over, they're not going to break. They're not going to tear. So they're great that way. So number one, I like that. But if you're looking at doing something for long-term storage, like, you know, organizing and keeping it going for, you know, like 10 years, get yourself a gamma lid. They cost a little bit more money, but they have that double uh, silicone seal in them that makes everything completely watertight, airtight, bug tight. Now, the next thing you want to do is look into those Mylar bags. Love those. Becky loves sealing them with the uh, hair straightener. They work great. So that gives you, again, remember the two is one, one is none, three is a guarantee. Well, with the bucket, you got the bucket, you got the gamma seal, and now you have the Mylar, bucket, the Mylar bag. So all of that creates basically a, it's not impenetrable, but a much less likely to be spoiled seal for you. So that's the first thing. Now, rodent resistant. Yes, that's what, yes, they absolutely are, John. Now, the next thing is when you're storing things in five gallon buckets with a, um, a gamma lid on them, something a lot of people don't know, you can't stack them more than too high. The lids are great, but when you have them more than too high, they start to collapse. They're not designed for that. So you need to figure in your shelving when you're storing that kind of stuff. But two more quick thoughts on this thing. The thing about five gallon pails is they're awesome. They're, uh, you know, fairly inexpensive and they last forever. What's the downside? They're a cylinder. What do you lose with a cylinder? All your corners. So they're really poor at making the most out of your storage. They, they fill in more space. They have a bigger footprint than what they should if they were square. Can't do anything about it. Just remember when you're organizing to think about that. When you build your shelves, measure your buckets beforehand. I built that nice prepper pantry and they're, it's great but I didn't design it for five gallon buckets. And now I'm kicking myself in the butt for it. That's kind of a funny picture, kicking myself in the butt, right? So now I have them all sitting on the floor in my prepper pantry until I can build extra storage in my back storage room here. So just think about it when you do that. Now, the other thing, if you're looking at maybe like midterm, two, three, four year storage, or you really don't want to spend, oh yes, thank you, Hogs. <laughs> uh, two quick things. So Hogs asked, do you add the moisture things? Yes. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. So the third part of that process is adding oxygen absorbers. Now, you can use the ones that come with the package or do what I do and go to Walmart at the end of uh, the cold season and buy a bunch for 10 cents on the dollar. I bought like four full boxes of hand and feet warmers. And all they are is iron in there that oxidizes, turns to rust quickly. When you open it, it gets added to air. And then that process sucks the air out of the, the package. So throw one of those in anything dry that you're storing in a Mylar bag in a five-gallon bucket, except for sugar. Sugar will go rock hard. Turn it to a brick. So don't add oxygen, oxygen absorbers to sugar. Otherwise, you're going to be in a mess. Rachel says, I get four-gallon buckets free from the grocery store bakery. The lids are, are about the same. Well, that's great. I like that. So that's the other thing. So if you want to save a little bit of money, like I said, at least in Canada, half the entire cost of long-term storage of stuff is the gamma lids. They're damned expensive. So if you don't want to do it, use a regular lid, snap it down good. You know, you'll still have really good protection, just not quite as good as the gamma lids. But don't forget to buy yourself a, a bucket lid opener. There's those tools that make them out of aluminum. You can get plastic ones as well, but have a couple of those because 
especially after you seal them with those auction absorbers. The only way you're getting them off is either with a hacksaw or with a pry bar or the uh, the bucket tool opener. So um, John Palmer says, I have several that are square buckets from bakery, icing buckets. And you know, while I was talking about that, I totally thought, yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Those icing buckets are square. Those would be great. Of course, they don't make gamma lids for them, but... So I got I went down a rabbit hole when we first started doing this long-term storage. And some of the studies I read on Mylar bags basically said that by themselves, if you didn't bother a Mylar bag, they would be totally fine because they're air, moisture, and you know, maybe not rodent proof, but there's no smell coming through them. So if you just set it on a shelf and never disturbed it, it would be just as good as being in a bucket. But the bucket adds that secondary layer of protection that keeps everything else just a little safer, right? Uh, Rachel Brown says, uh, hand warmers are great. And, oh, Nate says, same with salt. Leave it in the bag and chip it apart when you need it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Now here, we're kind of lucky in Alberta. On the East Coast, long-term storage of salt, we would get the rock salt for the driveways and things. We couldn't keep them through the summer at the hardware store where I worked because by next fall, if we got stuck with any, it was rock hard and they wouldn't go through hoppers, the guys would have to beat them apart with a sledgehammer. In Alberta, I could store it in my storage container for years because the moisture content in the air is so much lower. And that just makes it uh, just easier, you know, different considerations and different clients, right? And Hog says, I bet you can get free buckets at the restaurants too. Yes. And I used to get some really nice two and a half gallon pails at my local hospital, the cafeteria. My wife worked in laundry there for a while. And they used to put them out, I think they were a dollar a bucket. And they were perfect for washing windows, for cleaning out gutters. So yeah, always look for places to find extra storage buckets. Because there are, there's lots of places giving them away. <laughs> when I went to visit Nicole, they had tons and tons of the um, the brown bags that uh, bulk, was it 50 or 100 pound um, coffee beans came in? So they had all kinds of those. It was great. And I mean, they... They, they trip over them at times. And so whenever you talk to people who have different businesses, there's always a byproduct of those businesses. And then there's always somebody looking to use them. So find a place that has buckets for cheap or free and repurpose. Have a good night, Ted. Always good having you here, my friend. So yeah, so that's the, that's the end of his questions. And uh, so here I got, I'll see if we can throw them in here. I got 11 more tips for you. Those were the first 19. These are 11 more that I, I use on a regular basis. First one I say, and this is a bit of organization, but yeah, it is. Buy a full case of consumables. So for me, the things I use a lot of, RV antifreeze, windshield washer fluid, brake cleaner. I'm sure there's a few more. Uh, oil. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a few more. So it's not really to save money, although I tend to only buy that kind of stuff when it goes on sale. But the big reason is because you can take it home in the whole box. And what I like to do with that is you've got a box and I always have a space for that box. I do it with my windshield washer, for instance, and it slides right into that spot on the shelf. And when I get down to one, I haul the box out and I put the last one on the shelf. And that's when I go and buy a new case. Keeps it contained, keeps it safe. You don't have to worry about, you just always have a good idea of where it needs to go and the products that you have on hand. And I like, I'm a big fan of buying in bulk. So design your storage area around that kind of stuff. Ah, Rachel Brown says, I want to ask the deli about pickle jars. And those square buckets are even easier to find. Yes, and fast food places are great. When I worked at Dairy Queen, we used to have about four gallon buckets that we would dump our oil into the fryers with. 
Those were great. Then we had bigger five-gallon buckets that our pickles came in. We didn't empty those too often, but they were always around, and they were always just collecting up in the uh, the in the back garbage bin area, which was great. And for years, we always had an excess of oil until a guy moved to town and started using. Um, he, he turned waste oil into diesel. And so he was running, he had a vineyard and he was running his van off of all of our old French fry grease. It was kind of cool, but yeah. So again, fast food places, restaurants, um, cafeterias. Yeah. Just check around and maybe we'll make a whole list as a community of these places because there's always something to, to get into. John Dowie, my buddy on the East coast there, he is into uh, barrel and bucket reselling or basically barrels anyway. He buys them in bulk from a guy who has way too many to handle. And then John just posts them on social, resells them and makes a good little profit with it. So there's always areas to make money and always areas to get a little better organized. But yeah, so full, full cases of consumables is a big one for me. Now, here's another one. <laughs> can you, two things, can you replace two items with one or a larger item with a smaller alternative? Now, here's the thing. I used to have a big, beautiful beast of a table saw. It was great. It was made out of cast iron. Lots of people loved it. The thing was, you're going to laugh at me, I rarely ever use a table saw. And I thought, you know what? I should really think about getting rid of that. Because the biggest problem was, every time I wanted to use it, I had to haul it out into the center of my garage. It was massively heavy. It was always in the way. So you know what I did? I sold it. And I switched to, uh, you know, a clamp, a straight edge, and a circular saw. Now, that doesn't work for everybody, but it certainly worked for me because I have not missed my table saw even once. Another thing, I had these homemade wooden saw horses. They were great, but again, they took up too much goddamn space. So I bought those fold-up uh, table saw, um, saw stands, and they are awesome. And you know what? The two of them, I have nice little hooks that I salvaged again. They go inside facing each other inside of the 16 inch cavity between my studs and they both sit there just perfectly. So can you replace a larger item with a smaller item? Can you eliminate one item or can you combine two items into one item for the use? Always think. So sometimes we think we need more room for more junk. Well, sometimes we just need to eliminate some junk so we have some more space. Um, Aaron says, our local Portillo have pickle buckets you can buy for cheap. That would be great. Um, <laughs> do they have pickles in them? Because when Becky was pregnant with the twins, again, happy birthday, girls, uh, her father bought her a 50-pound bucket of pickles from Arby's, or not Arby's, from Harvey's, which you guys, I don't think, have down there. But yeah, and I think she put a good hurting on it. So, <laughs> But yeah, buckets are great. And for some reason, those green pickle buckets seem to be extra thick. I don't know if it's the dye that's in them or the, the type of plastic they make them out of, but they do seem to be a little thicker than your everyday average run-of-the-mill plastic bucket. Uh, another one, put wheels on all your large items so you can move them around or and put them into a corner. So that was going to be my next step. If I hadn't sold my big table saw, I was going to put wheels on it so that I could tilt it and then move it around easier. But that is the key. Anything that you've got, anything that's too heavy for you to lift comfortably, and it's too big to really manage the way you want it to, what's going to happen is because it's too big and not convenient to move, you're just going to leave it wherever the hell it sits, right? And that's what I ended up doing with that damn table saw for a long time. And a lot of other things. My generator has wheels on it. So you know what? I throw it right back in the tightest corner where I can get it. That's what you do. Get those things out of the way. So put wheels on them. 
I had a lady come into the hardware store one time and she had a beautiful, great big aquarium that was nice, but sometimes they needed to move it around a little bit. I'm not really sure why, but again, we put uh, wheels on it. And uh, when you put wheels on things, put friggin' swivels on everything. I, I am not a fan of two swivels and two rigid wheels. That just pisses me off. We we're at the hotel on the weekend and they had those luggage carts, had two swivel wheels and two straight wheels, and you can't turn those things anywhere. You want to make things as simple as you can for program compliance because, again, two swivel wheels, I can get it in the corner on an angle, but then I got to back it up and shimmy it six times to get it right in the corner. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to leave it where the hell it sits. So make it easy to organize, get those big things back and out of the corner. Uh, John says he needs to eliminate a lot of junk. You and me both, buddy. So this Saturday, Mac and I, I might even make a video out of this, but we have the storage container downtown. That's the one that I fill with a lot of the stuff we get from um, bank properties and stuff. Have a good evening, John. It's nice to have you here. And we're going to go down and organize the hell out of it. We're going to take a very strong eye to eliminating, purging stuff. And we need to clean it up and get it organized. So it's going to be an all-day Saturday job. So I had organization on the mind. I figured we might as well get at it. Uh, here's another one. Hang spray bottles on a closet rod. If you can get a closet rod or a tension rod or something like that, stretch it out. Uh, because I find, so my biggest thing is spray bottles, especially with those heavy-duty nozzles, tend to be kind of top-heavy. And you bump them. Uh, the ones that I love are from Zep. They're great. But if they're empty, you're almost always knocking them over. So what I am about to do in one of my shelves out there, put a closet rod or uh, what I like is those um, permanent ones that you screw in. They're a lot sturdier for this kind of stuff. And then hang all of your uh, spray triggers that way. Get some up out of the way. And if you bump them, they're not going to fall over right away anyway. And uh, let's see, Charlie, Charlie Cole. Hey, Charlie says, wheels are great. I use furniture dollies to set 50 pounds of fertilizer on so I can roll them in and out under my workbench. Great idea. Also, don't forget about dolly carts, like uh, furniture carts. I love those. And I've just got to the point where I don't lift anything heavy. I don't have to anymore because I'm not that old, but the last thing I need to do is wreck my back. So if you've got an easier way to do it, use leverage, use wheels, whatever it is to get it to where you can. Now, uh, Hog says, what is the best way to clean out those buckets from smells, pickles, fruits, etc.? I'm trying to think back of what I did. I've got a couple of those pickle jars from Costco and the lid was the part that really stunk. And I want to say that I give them a really good baking soda scrub and bath. And it took multiple applications, but it really worked. You need something alkaline -y to like fruits and pickles. They're going to be acidic. So you need to neutralize that. So if anybody else has a better tip, but I'm sure, yeah, I've, I can see two from where I'm sitting right now, those big kind of what two gallon pickle jars or whatever and I'm 95% sure I use baking soda to neutralize that you scrub it in there kind of make it in a paste let it soak for a while it'll pull some of that out scrub it rinse repeat four or five times and it worked really well yeah so that exactly Rachel says depending on what it is vinegar or baking soda so if it's an alkaline kind of stuff use vinegar because the acid's going to leach it out and if it's an acid use baking soda you need to neutralize it and it works great uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Hog says, uh, especially when rolling through gravel, LOL. Yeah. So look at those bigger tires, you know, the big rubber tires or the Everflats. Those are great. Or 
ever. Oh my God. A never flat tire. That'd be completely useless, wouldn't it? A never flat. If you haven't seen those, they're like a high density polypropylene foam or something or a sponge. They're great. They look just like a regular air tire, but they, uh, they hold up and you can never puncture them. Uh, Aaron says vinegar and soap. Great. That's good to know guys. Yeah. I was, I couldn't remember if there was soap or not. I think I rinsed with soap afterwards. Now, Next one, painter's tape is my favorite labeler. We labeled all of our long-term bucket storage with painter's tape and a Sharpie marker. All of my Rubbermaids in the garage, once again, painter's tape and a Sharpie marker. So always have markers around, but painter's tape is great because the damn stuff sticks to anything, but it can sit on things for a long, especially the blue. I always use the blue from 3M because it, you can remove that two years later. The green especially if it's um, kind of attacked by UV light, will end up just kind of fading, ripping, and then it leaves that residue behind. But the blue basically never does. So use blue painter's tape. It sticks forever. You can label it. And then, like I said, if you need to relabel, haul it off. Because the worst thing I hate is having, you know, buckets with a bunch of words on it scribbled out and then relabeling. So use painter's tape. It works great. Um, here's one that I just learned from somebody, and it was great. So, uh key rings, right? I had, I just got a whole um, box. I, I've got them over there. I'm not going to grab them and make too much noise. But so anyway, I would always take my key rings. If you got a bunch of key rings to organize, you know, you have your ring and you put it up on a cup hook, right? You know, you guys know what a cup hook is. It's like a three quarter of a circle. So, you know, they don't fall off, but if you ever dump the thing upside down, they'd all fall off. Well, I picked up this set from the guy that used to own the 12 unit and it was super ingenious. He had full circle. So he had an eye hook in every one where they went and then he put one of those little spring loaded like you'd put on a little like five pound dog to latch them he put that on the key ring so that they're latched in place you can never knock them off of your your key ring uh, your key organizer to me that blew me out of the water i loved it so if you're looking for a quick dirty tip on how to organize key rings and that kind of stuff use a an eye hook which is you know a total enclosed circle and then use one of those little spring loaded clips that you would connect a dog to a leash with and it worked great uh zachariah said hotel restaurant i worked for used painter's tape for everything it's great and like i said spring for the blue stuff it's a little better but yeah you, you just label and relabel and it, it's super easy never leaves things behind um another one build a rack for your lumber find a spot so i've been looking i have a rack a small rack and then i have a u kind of an unused space between my storage container and my garage on my garage i'm getting ready to put new metal up there so i'm going to move my c can storage container three feet to the west what that's going to do is create a four foot space underneath my eaves of my garage i'm going to bring the metal all the way out and i'm going to create a lean to then i'm going to build shelves in there for all my offcuts of lumber It'll be out under the water, uh, out of the water, and it'll be organized and up off the ground so it doesn't rot. But find yourself somewhere to keep lumber because, geez, with the price of lumber, you don't want to lose it, right? Uh, Rachel Brown says, I use a little paper tag sealed to the plastic with clear tape so water or anything can't smear it. Yes, I love that. Packing tape's great. The best packing tape I've ever found is the Gorilla brand. I'm a big, uh, well, yeah. I would say about 90% of the Gorilla products I've used, I loved. There's been a couple of duds I didn't like, but the packing tape, when it comes with its own little dispenser, it's orange. I buy them at Christmas time for sealing things up to spend, to send out, uh, like, you know, for Christmas, and it's never let me down at all. Um, 
Oh, yeah. And Nate says, if you have a small amount of keys, a key bar is a life changer. Is that one of those that your keys flip out like a jackknife? Because if it is, I think those are pretty cool. I've never had that few of keys, but I would love to try something like that. Um, now, here's another one. Uh, use towel or toilet paper racks for things like garbage bag, twine, marker ribbon. So anything that you can pull off. I'm a big fan of, like, I buy my garbage bags in as bulk as I can get. Now, my really big ones, they come pre-folded in a box. But my around the garage ones, they're on a roll. So uh, the, the real thin paper towel dispensers, you know, they're, what, maybe half an inch in diameter. You can take one of those, drive that right through your garbage bag, then screw it right up to the wall, and then you can just pull one garbage bag off at a time. Works the same with if you got a bunch of different survey flag tape or twine, plastic, uh, rebar wire, any of that stuff. Put it up there so that it can't get unspooled and you can just pull it off and use it as you need it. So yeah, that one. Uh, oh, uh, old bookshelves work great for liquids. I picked up, geez, I can't even remember where I got it from, but it's a nice old metal bookshelf that came out of some school somewhere. Must have been in an empty house. And you know, the shelves were about a, a foot deep and they'll hold any, that's where I have all my lubricants, my caulkings, my uh, four liter, one gallon jugs, that kind of stuff. They all fit really nice in there. And the thing is, it's not too deep. So you don't have a lot of waste space. So yeah, um, I'm always looking for old furniture that I can repurpose. I found a drawing table at another house. It was super heavy, but the thing's like almost a four by eight sheet of plywood. It used to have like a lighted glass in it so you could trace and things on it. I took that out, put plywood in it, but that gave me another workbench surface. Then it has lots of nice shelves underneath. That's where my solar battery bank is, but it still leaves me a lot of workspace. Um, oh, okay. oh, yeah. And uh, Cabot says, I toss the garbage rolls in the bottom of the can, always where you need it, when you need it. Yeah, I, that's something I learned when we used to take on a lot of uh, um, janitorial work. I would take, you know, a stack of 10 or 12 garbage bags, throw them in the bottom, and then you'd pull one out, the next one would be there, and you could use it. So again, you know, might have saved you 30 seconds per garbage can, but over a year... 10 garbage cans, 300 seconds, five minutes, 52, 25, you know, 250 minutes a year. So you save yourself four hours in a year, maybe, I don't know, from putting garbage bags down in there. Just something to think about. Uh, Rachel says, I never used a key bar, but I've used a magnetic bar that I just screw on the wall or a side of shelving and put stuff up on it. Yeah, magnets are great. I talked about them a lot in the last episode, I believe, but I've got um, a lot of magnetic parts trays and that bookshelf I was talking about is solid metal. So what I do is I can put, and the cool thing about those parts trays, you can hold them upside down on the side, shit doesn't fall out of them. So I put all of my, my little odds and sods and things in that tray, then stick them all to the side of the bookshelf. Works great. And again, a new space that you didn't use before. One last thing. I haven't done this. My dad did it a bit. I've seen it done a lot. Is when you bring all of your tools in, if you have a place for everything and everything's in its place, some people like to be as anal as outlining all your tools. So if you've got your, your shovels, your rakes, all of that stuff, have it up there and just draw like a chalk outline or whatever you want so that you know where things go. But the big benefit of doing that is that other people know where the damn things go. And if a kid, brother, sister, whatever comes and borrows your stuff, you can quickly go in and see what the hell am I missing? All of that's pretty damn important. <laughs> but yeah, I, 
I guess you guys can realize that I get kind of uh, excited about organization. You guys shared a ton of good tips here. I wanted to tell you another thing right quick. Uh, I Just before we went live, I was listening to, uh, if you guys know Angry American, I talk about his books, the Going Home series, a lot. We're running a Telegram group with um, for the book club. So there's 20 of us in there right now. Starting the first Saturday in June, we're going to have a discussion of the first book together. I reached out to him again tonight during his live stream, and I'm working really hard to get him to come over and do an interview with us, guys. So it's really cool. I've been reaching out to some neat people. I figured I'd fill you in a little bit on this at the end of this show. Uh, I reached out. There is a group in Edmonton who is running what they call an apocalyptic training camp, which is basically, you know, how to learn outdoor skills, prepping, that kind of stuff. I reached out to them this week. They're going to be coming on the show. We've got, I've just got so, so many people, so many exciting people to, to get on here for you guys. If you have more guests that you'd like, if you'd like to be on the show, you can always send me an email or fill out the guest form. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm thinking, you know what? I've almost got to go two interviews a week simply just to get all the cool people on here. But it is what it is, right, guys? Um, so if anybody's got any other questions, you can throw them up here now. Uh, gladly answer any for you. Uh, it's been great getting back to work. I've been really, really enjoying it. Uh, yes. So, Nate, listen, uh, <laughs> this is the running joke, right? The dirty jobs guy, Mike Rowe. So I had a good conversation with Patrick Worman from MT Knives, and he sent Mike two or three knives a few years ago, got a shout out for it. Mike auctioned them off for his foundation. So I need to come up with, I'm going to keep beating this horse until I get Mike Rowe on this show because it'll be awesome. And you know, you guys know I will. If it takes me three years, it takes me three years. But we talked about this in Telegram earlier today. I'm a big fan of making things public and open and talking about your goals so that it forces you to get shit done. And this Mike Rowe thing, you guys will never let me live it down. That's why I will keep working until I can get him on there. <laughs> and he'll come on. I know he will. I just need to find out how to get him here. Just make the right connections and keep beating the walls until somebody says, yep, yeah, he'll come. We're tired of listening to you, Tim. We don't, we don't want to hear you anymore. So Saturday night, where are we going this week? So that's the, yeah, it's the end of the content for this week, guys, but I'll fill you in on a couple quick things as we head out here. Uh, Saturday night, I'm going to do a listener feedback. Uh, I've got a bunch of questions, a bunch of different things. Uh, one, Zachariah that was in here earlier asked me some questions about social media. So if you guys have any more questions you want to get in for Saturday night show, come by the Telegram channel, throw them in there. It would be great. And yes, Nate, I pushed you earlier and I appreciate the pushback. That's what brothers do, my friend. And it's awesome. So yes, if you guys have questions, get them into me. I love answering them. I got a bunch already, but we'll go as long as we need to. We got a show Sunday night. I forget who I have coming on right at the moment. But um, yeah, we'll deal with that. But it'll be seven o'clock as well. So we got a great, and then, then we're going to start all over again next week. We'll have uh, Fireside Freedom, the after party show, and then we'll have my three episodes. And yeah, beyond that, guys, I appreciate you. You know I do. Um, yeah, and of course, I can't leave without telling you about the Prepper Broadcast Network because I love James and all the content creators over there. And they have brought me into that family, and I am excited. I'm also going to get to meet everybody in September in North Carolina at Prepper Camp, which is super exciting. I'm going to be speaking three days in a row there on the art of repairedness. So it's going to be great. And I'm going to keep pushing and getting a bunch more speaking engagements. I'm quite excited. 
might even try to get to Texas in November, if you guys know what's in November, uh, what's in Texas in November. But so who follows me on the Prepper Broadcast Network? Tomorrow night will be Carl A.D. Brown with The Strange Truth. He deals with Christianity and news stories that other people are too scared to talk about. And if you guys aren't following PBN, one simple question, how come? Because there are over a dozen awesome content creators over there, just great salt-of-the-earth type people, all kinds of different personalities that you guys might click with, might not click with, who knows. But go by, add them to your uh, podcatchers, and just check them out because, man, they support me, and I want to share the love back because we're a great family over there. So anyway, guys, that's it for me this week. You know, I tell you this. Well, first off, it was so damn great to be back with you. I missed you. I missed you so much that I think I did four live streams from the hotels while I was traveling. <laughs> but you guys have, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, and you choose to come and hang out with me in the workshop. I'm honored. I'm blessed. I'm humbled because I got to see some people that really humbled me at the workshop where I was like, wow, what I'm doing is really working. So thank you guys. I love it. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.